Hello, Marvelites! You're listening to Marvel's Pull List for New Comics on sale October 16th, 2019. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And every week we run you through all the new comics that are on sale this given week. We're uh, basically talking about the print and the digital stuff. We're also going to hit you on the collections that are on sale as well as new books hitting Marvel Unlimited. Uh, This is a wild week. One... We are releasing our video episode that spotlights new comics coming in January. So this one is very different. It's Mm -hmm. real cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a pure Tucker Marcus production. He is (laughs) writing it. He's directing it. He's starring it. He's producing it. Oh, God. He's... Co-editing it, I you are this. sound mixing it. This is you I are you are the Shia LaBeouf of this oh, team man. doing everything. I hate hearing that all at <laughs> once. I really hate that. But speaking of Shia, I had a dream recently where Shia LaBeouf and I were one best friends and two uh, running away from a tiger. That sounds great. Yeah, actually. that that was like uh, yeah New York Comic Con kind of fueled uh, nap dream craziness. How are you feeling? Uh, I feel good. I feel tired. If uh, if all things go as planned, uh, we may have to add a little bit of a bonus to this, uh, a little bit of a conversation, or we'll just talk about some really big, fun updates next week. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of a teaser for yeah. you. Or you yeah. can just listen to This Week in Marvel later this week to learn about some of that information. Uh, but one thing I wanted to do, Tucker, yeah. is uh, start this episode off a little bit differently because, of course, we have the books that we're going to talk about, but we also had three uh, little bits from our community that were very... Marvel's pull list focused. Sure. So we got an email in from uh, Colby Fox. So Colby said, Hello, Ryan. I would imagine I am not the only person to share this with you. On this week's episode of Marvel's pull list, you asked why Darth Vader and C-3PO don't know each other. Tucker correctly explained why C-3PO would not recognize who Darth Vader is, but a short comic that appeared in Dark Horse's Star Wars Tales number 6 in December of 2000 shows how Darth Vader comes to recognize C-3PO during the events that take place on Bespin in The Empire Strikes Back. The piece was written by writer Wyndham, penciled by Killian Plunkett, uh, who also worked on Marvel's Weapon X, with letters by Steve Dutro, another Marvel alum, and colors by Dave McKaig, of course, who'd done tons of colors, X-Men, New Avengers and others. Then Colby goes on to provide a link. I don't need a link. This bad boy <laughs> is on Marvel Unlimited along with 25 plus thousand other comics. It is uh, it is up there. You can read the full story. Um, but Colby continues saying, when you brought the topic up on the podcast, it was the first thing that came to mind. It is a terrific story. It has stuck with me 20 years after I first read it. Thanks for the show and keep up the good work. Hey, Colby. Yeah, it's great. I, I I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. And I I went immediately, got this email, pulled up my Marvel and uh-huh. pulled up Star Wars Tales number six to read this. Star Wars Tales is a great anthology series. I will say, it is a Legends title. Right. What does that mean, Tom? Legends. Well, uh, what was formerly known as the extended or expanded universe in the world of Star Wars has become Legends which I really love because, for me, it doesn't devalue those stories at all. Essentially, it's not canonical to the current timeline and storyline of the Star Wars universe, but it's exactly as the new title describes it. These are Star Wars legends. These are these are some of the best Star Wars stories ever told, whether that's in novel form or comics or uh, what have you. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the, the general dynamic, but um, I love that kind of thing. I, I love looking back at all that old stuff. But But that's not to say that this story... 
may not be canon. That's right. It is just currently not classified as canon. Because right. I think about the Thrawn stories, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. those were classified as legends. Yeah. And then rebrought back in with some updates and some retellings. And so there's possibility that this could be canon. But I will say there's a little bit of non-canonical nature to this yeah, story. Yeah. yeah, this is something we should uh, ask uh, your old friend and my new acquaintance. Matt Martin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we had three tweets in here. The first one is from Simon Williams, uh, who says, listeners of Marvel's Polish should be called police. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Police. That's one suggestion. Like an ancient uh, tool of humankind. Yes. Pulley. Let's not call our listeners tools. Karis <laughs> uh, Pollard uh, replied to Simon saying, I was trying to come up with something based on Pulitzers, but I concede defeat. Mm. Pulitzers. That's not bad. It's good. That's a good one. Uh, Tony T. Bizzlesworth, whom I met at New York Comic Con, said, I have a name for the Polis listeners. True B-listers. Looking forward to New York Comic Con. Hope to run into the crew. Tony, 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 Tony. I like that one. Yeah, you We're the underdogs. No, I'm not calling our listeners (laughs) B-listers. I like maybe, you know, true B-listeners. Yeah. True be listeners. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. I love I love the the spirit of what you suggested, Tony. Uh, we're yeah, still figuring good. it out. We got it. We still we'll get there. You know, we're only two Give years into the show. 95 we, episodes. Yeah. We'll figure uh, it out. <laughs> it's, uh, we'll, we'll see what we can come up with down the road. But I, I welcome many more suggestions from everybody listening. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I want to make a note that we did a stage show at New York Comic Con. There is a reading list on Marvel.com and in the Marvel Unlimited app right now featuring, uh, I think it's like, 10 to 20 of the books that we like we slated for the event. Yeah. So it's it's some really great stuff. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, go check out Power Pachyderms. Don't think it's on there. Oh! I know. I lo- that was literally the one I looked for. I was like, <laughs> who are you putting Power Pachyderms on this list? It's the most obscure one. It was yeah. bonkers. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to talk to Robin Bell. Yeah, we got to figure one. that out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that is enough of that. Let's get into the episode this week. Starting things off, Tucker, what do we got? Okay, we're starting off this week with my first pick. Of the week, it is Absolute Carnage number four. It's written by Donnie Cates with pencils by Ryan Stegman, inks by J.P. Meyer, Jay Lyston, and Ryan Stegman. Uh, colors by Frank Martin and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. At the end of issue number three, we saw the immortal Hulk uh, bond with the symbiote, which was just pretty pretty awesome. I, I you know I think specifically if you look at everything that's going on in Venom right now, everything that's going on in Mortal Hulk right now, these are two of the hottest like death defyingly good series at the House of Ideas right now. So to have that marriage is uh, just so much fun. This is one of these uh, one of those stories that I don't want to say too much about, but uh, there's a really cool moment uh, that we get, and I believe this has been in previews. This has been out there where. Uh, um, and I think I was even in a room at like the next big thing panel at New York Comic Con where they showed some of these pages of uh, Eddie Brock with Cap's shield, which is really, really awesome. Uh, I, I, I love to see in this series not just the just kind of indescribable action that Ryan Stegman puts down on the page. It is truly uh, like Omega level comic book artist stuff. Not just that, but I love the quiet moments with Eddie. I love the moments where we see Eddie's self-doubt, and I love the moments where um, even among all of this, you know, gory 
wild action, we still get those interior moments, which I think are really excellent. Some big players in this series have been now Immortal Hulk, who's played who plays a huge part in this issue specifically. Miles has a, had a huge, huge part to play in Absolute Carnage, which I've loved to see. It's really cool, especially going back to I mean, even Miles's a first appearance in in Donnie's Venom run, which I think was only issue two or three or something like that. So you know how much Donnie loves and appreciates that character, how excited he was to to get him involved. But we have so much more um, uh, as far as the kind of larger Donnie Cates, Carnage, Null, God is Coming, entire kind of mythos uh, that gets involved here in big ways. This series keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It has those moments uh, with potentially the most kind of biggest final page Donny Cates moment so far here. This is a moment that I actually remember him describing in in a, uh, a creative retreat at least once. I know you've certainly heard about it 10 or 12 times, um, given the amount of lead time that comes to a huge event like this. But uh, man, did it still pay off. It was really, really awesome and great issue. Yeah, I want to give a shout uh, again to Stegman. The design for Hulk here with the symbiote, with Hulk being too big for the symbiote to fully cover the body, I think is really fun, really smart, makes it even creepier and cooler. And then there's a special design that happens for, I I, I don't want to say too much with giving things away, but there's an elevated design for a specific character that is horrifying and cool and really weird but feels exactly right uh they're firing on all cylinders and we still have so much more absolute carnage to get to including absolute carnage versus deadpool number three written by frank thierry pencils by marcelo ferreira and jack jadson inks by roberto poggi and jack jadson with colors by rochelle rosenberg and letters by ya boy vcs joe sabino i saw you a lot at uh, Comic-Con, which was nice. Joe used to work here in the office, and now he's working at Virtual Calligraphy, doing great work lettering and designing books, so it makes me very happy to see him succeed. Uh, Absolute Carnage versus Deadpool, just nasty. Thierry getting to toss out some little quips and and violent bits. Uh, Lots of violent bits. There's a great moment here where Carnage pops Wolverine-style claws, and Deadpool's like, not Wolverine claws. It's real fun. Uh, It gets... Very dark, very violent. Spider-Man gets involved, actually gets captured by Carnage. This is a big moment in here and a great, great bit hitting that Deadpool Spider-Man friendship angle because uh, Deadpool has to come and save the day. And it also fulfills the Carnage needs to get these codexes. Either he gets them or Venom gets them. There has to be a resolution. So... There's a resolution here, and it is nasty. Thankfully, it is a Deadpool book, and you know that boy can regrow all kinds of bits. <laughs> Next up, we have more Absolute Carnage with Absolute Carnage Avengers number one. This story is plotted by Leah Williams and Zach Thompson with a script by Zach Art. On this issue is by Alberto Arbuquerque with Gaiu Villanova. Um, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. One, kudos to Leah and Zach for kind of structuring the story the way they did, uh, which allows for narration from various characters, which I think is really cool. And credit to uh, Corey Pettit for bringing it on those captions because built into each of those is like we start off with Cap, who's narrating, and we get a little star logo. Then we go to Clint Barton, uh, and we get uh, the Arrow logo and the purple. I, I, I just really love that kind of inventive take on this. I, I think it just allows 
us as the readers to uh, kind of enter the story from various angles and, and see this big absolute carnage uh, event through the eyes of Cap, and then we get to see it through the eyes of Hawkeye and 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 uh, other characters. But then I just, as a huge fan of Zach Thompson, obviously a big fan of everything that Zach has uh, done uh, at Marvel with uh, his, uh, at times, writing partner, Lonnie Nadler. Did you see them at Comic-Con? I didn't! I was so bummed! I saw them from afar, and at one point I saw them, and they were talking with Daniel Kibblesmith, and I was like, oh, my sweet boys, yeah. hello, I've yeah. got to go do stuff. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I was bummed. They're, 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 they're two of the guys I wanted to see. Uh, the most, but uh, so I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of everything that Zach and Lonnie have done together, and and here I'm so excited to see Zach take this on and script this story just himself, and I think he just nails it. I think specifically his uh, Clint Barton work is excellent, and uh, you know that's a character that is very specific uh, tonally. He he kind of embodies this liminal space between like straight down the middle superhero but he's also like a, he has a unique perspective he's a kind of funny guy all at the same time but he also gets to write the thing he also gets to write wolverine he also gets to write spider-man uh you can just imagine how excited someone like zach was to write this story and i think he he just crushed it across the board oh i think i forgot to mention one of my favorite moments this week which was in absolute carnage when Eddie's in the middle of the fight and he's going on and then cap puts his hand on on eddie's shoulder and he's like you mind if I have a go with it? And he <laughs> yeah. grabs the shield, and yeah. I was like, "Whoa, yeah!" Yeah, it was like the the touch comes on yes. from the from Transformers. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the video? That's a, a cut of the moment from Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame where Cap picks up Mjolnir, right? And it's recut with "You right. got the touch," right? And uh, Chris Evans retweeted it, and he's like, "This is all I've ever wanted yeah. in life." Yeah, it's so good. I want to curse so badly yeah. right now, but we don't curse on this show. <laughs> we talk about comics like Absolute Carnage. Scream, issue number three, written by Colin Bunn, art by Gerardo Sandoval, with colors by Eric Arciniega, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. Man, Gerardo, so good at giving emotion to weird creatures. Um, There's a lot of anguish and pain in uh, Scream, in particular, in this issue. She's devastated, going through a lot, and we see her fighting carnage going toe-to-toe slashing and getting like impaled at times it is brutal and is violent the way that gerardo is able to depict that uh is beautiful it's very sad it's very upsetting in times but uh, I, th- I think you know when you're looking at a creature like a symbiote with they've got these mouths it, 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 it looks not cartoony but just different it's not a human feature uh, and to give it that human feeling is a really special talent um it's great work and yeah we know there's scream stuff happening after absolute carnage and it's be interesting to see where it all shakes out okay next up we have arrow number four which is as all of these arrow books have been uh, comprised of two stories the first is called the tower uh, and that is written by Joe Lifen with art by Kang uh, and the adaptation written by Greg Pak. And the second, Arrow and Wave Origins and Destinies Part 4, written by Greg Pak and Alyssa Wong with art by Pop Mon, colors by Federico Bli, and letters throughout the whole thing by VCs Joe Caramagna. I'm a huge fan of the scale of these Arrow stories. Uh, I think with every single page, you get a sense um, not just of Shanghai, but of the what she's up against. And I, I really, really 
love that. And I love the look because I think for me, this book looks unlike anything else in the line. Uh, in this issue, we have uh, you can just kind of feel the wind blowing off the page. You can really you can hear and feel the rain in terms of like what's fit into any given panel feels like one of the biggest books for me on a weekly basis. The secondary story here uh, by Greg and Alyssa uh, focuses in on Arrow and Wave. It's been really fun to see uh, in various different uh, Agents of Atlas offshoot books that contain these uh, heroes in uh, maybe pairs of one or two to see how they relate to each other on uh, that kind of more uh, individual interpersonal uh, way. That definitely is uh, what I love most about this here. And, uh, you know, obviously Greg Pak is amazing at that. And it's also awesome to see what Alyssa Wong brings to the table here with this. Heck yeah. Uh, all right. Up next is Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda. It is written by Jim Zub with pencils by Lon Medina, inks by Craig Young, and colors by Marshall Menes. Letters and production by VCs Joe Sabino. This one, a little bit of a quick spoiler. So I will say this slowly. Mm hmm. If you need mm -hmm. to go forward and skip ahead. All right. Uh, the end of the last issue. Sentry was revealed to be the cause of some chaos and calamity. And uh, so he's doing some reality warping stuff because he has merged with the void, which is real bad news. Uh, some really cool stuff that's been happening with the Sentry over the last year or so between Donny Cates' book and Jeff Lemire's book. Um, and it's just it's cool to see it here. You know, the agents of Wakanda have to deal with Sentry and some really nasty stuff and uh, he's tapping into some of their fears. There's some wild stuff with Okoye and, and her personal like doubts about herself as well as um, Janet Van Dyne, the, the wasp. Like you get to see this version of Pym Ultron, Pimtron, as we call him in the office, and uh, it's pretty gnarly, pretty nasty. But ultimately, everything is okay because we've got the immortal weapon on our side, Fat Cobra. He's oh, yeah. a good boy. He's doing his thing. Uh, he's dope. <laughs> if you've never read Immortal Iron Fist, you better check it out. Uh, I do want to say before we move on, the last line in this book says, the moon is hungry. Ooh. I like that. Yeah. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, okay, next up we have Captain America number 15. It's by Ta-Nehisi Coates and Jason Masters with colors by Matt Mila and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. There's a really cool noir influence on this book, which I really like. We open up with some uh, mysterious panels of a man being stalked in the streets, uh, which is just really cool. And then we jump uh, across to Cap and the Daughters of Liberty. It's been such a joy to read this run and to see the influence that the Daughters of Liberty have on Cap, the obvious influence that Cap has had on them, uh, and then just the very particular way they work together. It's all done with the sincerity and heart and truthfulness and forthrightness that, that Cap has about him. But then you also have characters like Spider-Woman who jump in and mix things up and they add a lot of humor and, and a kind of more off-the-wall tone to things at times. We have Cap's energy shield, which I just love, like strictly from a visual perspective, let alone the cool stuff that it allows uh, in the story proper. Uh, it's all great stuff, uh, particularly as we move to towards the end. There is big stuff on the horizon for Cap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From one cap to another, though, we go to Captain Marvel number 11. Uh, this one, of course, written by Kelly Thompson, but it is the last issue of Captain Marvel drawn by artist Carmen Carnero. Uh, she is going to be moving on to another project, which we learn about at the end of the issue, but colors by Tom Rabon Villain, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, and this is a big throwdown between Captain Marvel and Star in the middle of Times Square. It's, it's gnarly. Captain Marvel actually, like, 
punches a hole in her own chest <laughs> to deal with the thing that is driving Star. It's a really cool story, you know, like what powers Star depowers Carol and figuring out that balance yeah. and, and the way Carol figures out to try to overcome things is is pretty great. Uh, wonder I love the way Kelly writes Captain Marvel. She gets it. Um, there, there, there's some fun stuff too because Carol at the end has a hole in her chest <laughs> and so you get to see you know Rhodey come up and be like hey uh, we should get you to a doctor. She's like no I need a hug. <laughs> and it's really fun. Um, we did announce a star comic coming Ooh, in yeah. 2020 uh, at New York Comic Con and this sort of sets the stage for that right at the end so uh, make sure you check that out. Okay next up we have Contagion number three. It's written by Ed Brisson with art by Mac Chatter and Steven Segovia. Colors by Veronica Gandini and Andrew Crossley and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. Look, there is a ton of body horror in this series. That was the idea when it started, and man oh man, every single issue, it is ramping it up more and more. I love that it's like different body horror. Yes. Like Immortal Hulk is Cronenberg's body horror uh, and, and other horror. And this is that like gooey, icky, you know, like nasty Italian uh, zombie movie, <laughs> like bubbling up and draining zombie meets all the other stuff. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's it's knowing that Ed Brisson is hugely influenced by like 80s kind of B-movies and horror movies. Uh, you can feel that here. And, and it, it's really a lot of fun. What I also love about it is the different areas of the city that we see this infecting. So we get to go visit like Luke and Jessica Jones is a part of like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones in Harlem. And then we see the Sanctum Sanctorum. We go to Yancey Street. All the while, like all these characters that you would expect then, Jessica, Luke, Danny Rand, Iron Man pops up. The Thing is involved. They're all impacted by this. I just love any story that gets to zoom in and that really, really granular street by street, block by block level. Um, like this book is looking like it's shaping up to do because I just love those characters and I can't wait to see more. Heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Up next is crazy number one. One of our Marvel 80th anniversary uh, throwback issues. I had really hoped I had time to do a This Week in Marvel big talk about crazy because it's a really interesting thing. I think about the legacy of Marvel comedy books and humor magazines. Uh, crazy is, is I believe, the first. The first run of crazy is in the 50s. And from all I understand, it was not great. Uh, <laughs> it was just aping Mad Magazine. Didn't do it as well as it could or should. But they tried it again uh, later on. And the spirit of that second version of Crazy is really what's in here. That was like the 70s Crazy. Uh, and, you know, gave us Obnoxio the Clown and, and a lot of the gnarly, like, dirtier sort of like, <laughs> that's I don't like that. Listeners, Ryan's making a face here. Yeah. In, in a good way. <laughs> yes. Just sort of like, oh, that makes me uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, which is who Obnoxio is. Uh, but thinking like the entirety of Marvel's humor run, whether it's not brand or mm -hmm. it is what the, or, you know, the, the fun issues of what if or anything else, uh, we have a great legacy of humor and, you know, crazy has a ton of people contributing to this issue stories by Jerry Duggan, Nelson Ribeiro, Frank Thierry, John Cirilli, Catherine Brown, Ralph Macchio, John Adams, Jesse Falcon, Teeny Howard, Zach Thompson, Lonnie Nadler, Bill Morrison, Scott Coblish, Natasha Bustos, and tons more. The credits in this issue are huge. It's got an Obnoxio story. It's got a Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal story. It's got John Adams doing that 
just depressing as all get out, dark humor yeah. with Man Thing here. Uh, it's got uh, Fumetti, which is a popular like comic book staple in uh, mostly in Europe, where they use photographs to tell comic book stories. They add word balloons and captions to them. We actually released a Fumetti book years and years ago, uh, but it's not something you generally see in mm-hmm. the U.S. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, next up. It's my second pick of the week. It's Guardians of the Galaxy, number 10. It's written by Donny Cates with art by Corey Smith, inks by Victor Olazaba, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. Uh, We have the Universal Church of Truth. They weird me out. They weird everybody out. They're creeps. But we also have Drax the Destroyer, as seen in the credits page of this book, who is coming back around to uh, impact the Guardians in in a way that if you knew Drax the Destroyer was going to be in a Guardians of the Galaxy book, you would not expect because it's not the Arthur Douglas Guardian uh, Drax that we know. It is a different Drax. And it just kind of illustrates on a larger level what I love about this team and their corner of the Marvel Universe so much is because it feels so real. The drama feels so heightened at every single turn. Given the personal relationships at stake in this team, given all of the history, uh, when something like this happens in an issue between Star-Lord and this Drax, every single moment just feels heightened. As a documented fan of Donny Cates, it all feels um, like you know you can just feel and, and foresee the reverberations of all of these things moving throughout the universe. We also learned at New York Comic Con that Donnie's run on Guardians ends with issue number 12, which is sad, but also exciting because one, it means we're going to get two huge new issues with uh, Guardians 11 and 12 before Donnie leaves the book. We're going to uh, get a lot more uh, knowledge about Donnie's corner of the universe from what he did with Thanos Wind through to Silver Surfer Black. That's very tied into this series right here. But then also, hey, we're getting Al Ewing, Guardians of the Galaxy. And Juan Cabal. In the new year. It's going to be amazing. Insane dream team. So, uh, yeah, another great issue of Guardians. And it's all looking bright for Guardians moving forward. Speaking of dream teams, how about my first pick of the week with History of the Marvel Universe, number four. Yeah, the dream team here is Mark Wade writing, Javier Rodriguez penciling yeah, it, it coloring it, Alvaro Lopez inking it, your boy Joe Caramagna lettering it. Uh, I got to see Joe uh, at the Stan Lee event. I was very happy to see Joe. He's a sweetheart. This is the fourth issue of the story, and it is Galactus talking to his BFF, Franklin Richards, at the end of time. And it's so sad and so sweet. But <laughs> we actually get a little bit more insight into the hows and the whys of why this conversation is happening, of the context for it. We know that the two of them, at least in Franklin's mind, are preparing to transfer into the next reality. They mm-hmm. are literally at the end of time going to do what Gallon of Ta did to become Galactus, move from one reality to the next, uh, be part of the universal Big Bang. Uh, and so Franklin's like, I just want to remember things. And Galactus is like, yeah, let me tell you all these stories. And you get the understanding of why so much of this is about Earth. Right. It makes sense once you read this issue. It's really cool. Uh, and on top of that, you have some of the greatest art and recapping of Marvel history, uh, whether it's the Dark Phoenix saga or, you know, the Korvac saga, the beautiful two thirds of a page that is the death of Captain Marvel. I talked about that uh, in some sad moments of. You know, on this week in Marvel, it is just so beautifully done. The muted colors. There's this great page where it is like one big splash image sliced into four vertical panels. 
each telling the story of a different character in the like the early 80s. And one is like the death of Elektra. Then it is the introduction of Monica Rambeau, Captain Marvel. Then it is Jim Rhodes becoming Iron Man. Then it is Beta Ray Bill taking up the hammer and, and you know, going in with Thor. It is so cool because it is. you can also see it as one image, the way he frames it, the way he sets it up. Again, he is a friggin' master. Yeah. This Javier Rodriguez guy, and he's a colorist too, so you <laughs> see stuff. Uh, the colors pop. Everything explodes off the page. Oh, I love it so much. I want every single page framed up, printed out. I know he's doing all this digitally now. I wish it was like... I, I, you know what? I'm glad it's not on board because I would not you be would able to afford money. and I would need yeah, all of it. You uh, would, <laughs> it yeah. is perfection. If you, this is like, I can't wait for a full collection of this. I would just want to give it to literally every person in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Uh, okay. Next up, we have Journey to Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker Allegiance, number two. Uh, it's written by Ethan Sachs with art by Luke Ross, colors by Lee Lowridge, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, we have Journey to Mon Cala, the homeland of uh, Admiral Akbar who, of course, met his demise during the events of Star Wars The Last Jedi. But it's really, really cool because we get some uh, quiet moments uh, between Leia and Rey and the citizens of Mon Cala, kind of marking uh, the death of such a legendary Star Wars character. It's really, really cool to see. So uh, Admiral Akbar gets his due here. It's, it's one of those things that we always talk about with Star Wars comics is they're really, really intimately intertwined with every other piece of media uh, across Star Wars. So if you like Star Wars, you've got to read Star Wars comics because there are big, big things happening. We also get buff fish man, Mon Calamari, guy fighting Ray. It's awesome. Yeah, rippling muscles. Yeah. They swim all the time. Buff fish yeah. man. All right, up next is Savage Sword of Conan, number 10, written by rascally Roy Thomas, legend, penciled by Alan Davis, inks by Cam Smith, colors by Chris Sotomayor, letters by VCs Travis Lanham, opens with talking about big buff beefy boys, Conan, wrestling uh, with knives with a dude and they're both shirtless uh, one dude has on just some like a loincloth conan's got his little briefs on everything's hot to trot that here. is big buff and beefy that's right it's cool it's conan's doing his mercenary thing and then he goes and he challenges uh, a dude on a mountain he's like hey bro i'm gonna take over your crew and the guy's like nah and then Conan's like, but that's not honorful. And then a whole thing happens. Is he like my Conan? <laughs> I, look, we don't know how he sounds. Right. It's a comic. 1,000%. It's just an that's interpretation. That's what he sounds like to me. Yeah. Next up, we have Spider-Man number two. It's written by J.J. Abrams and Henry Abrams with art by Sara Pichelli, uh, inking assists by Elisabetta D'Amico, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Issue one was super surprising uh, because... Uh, it didn't turn out to be the Spider-Man story that a lot of people, myself included, uh, expected. It's not even the Spider-Man that we expected. It's not Peter Parker. And who knows where the line of who is Spider-Man and who is technically and technically not Spider-Man. Maybe we'll find out as we continue on. But uh, we learn a lot here about Spider-Man's essentially his estranged son. Not only is there a, an amazing reality to this young character, there's a charm to this young character and, uh, you know, the other young characters that pop up. It really feels like a Spider-Man book in that way. But it's also just so amazing to see Sara Pichelli, uh, just a legend at work, because this 14 or so year old Spider-Man 
doesn't move like a 21 or 22 year old Spider-Man. He's not as in control of his limbs as uh, a Spider-Man that we are, are more accustomed to seeing. Uh, and you can feel that in every swing in everything that he does. It's a little bit less, uh, you know, measured, but it makes it so much fun. And it really bleeds through to every other element of the character. It just lends that, that truthfulness to it all. And like I said, overall, that charm to this character, it's really, really awesome. Uh, another uh, surprising issue, and I'm, I'm super excited to see overall, now as we're learning on a chapter-by-chapter basis, uh, where this whole thing goes. All right, Tucker, last book of the weekend. It is my second pick of the week. It is written by Jonathan Hickman and is penciled by Laniel Francis Yu. Of course, it is X-Men number of one. Of course, of course. Inks by Jerry Allen Colors by Sonny Go, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and design by your boy Tom Muller. I'm a huge fan. Of I know, I know Tom. you are. I know you are. So this is our big action superhero title in the Dawn of X. So the Dawn of X begins here. The next phase of everything we know about mutants. Every week going forward for the next you know five, four or five weeks, we're gonna have new titles. Uh, but this one is our big shining like. Big missions, big cool action, big character stuff, uh, classic X-Men in, in that manner. Uh, and it focuses on Cyclops in a really interesting way. Uh, it is him and the teams that he chooses to take with him on missions. Uh, so it opens up it opens up with a scene with uh, Cyclops, but then it goes into a mission that he's on with Storm, with Polaris, and with Magneto, which is that's a crew. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're going to take two super incredible, powerful, magnetic, uh, like, focused yeah. mutants. And then the one who controls all the weather. Right. You're done. Yeah. It's over. That's a big squad right uh, there. Real quick, top of your head, top three favorite mutants. Okay, definitely Charles, definitely Magneto, because I love their dynamic. And then random third wild card, I'm going to say Sage. What? Whoa! Just because I like the idea of those three together. Uh, have you been talking to Jordan D. White a lot? Because that's his face. All right, you go, you go. Uh, 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 all right, of course. Storm, put her in there. Mm -hmm. uh, Kitty Pride, of course. Yep. And uh, Wolverine. And you know what? Cable. I'm taking Whoa. four because four and three. That is math on Krakoa. Yeah, that's is. how we do it. Yeah, Mutants it do things differently. <laughs> yeah, this one's super cool. So we get. That bit of business and seeing that team come together, they're going after Orcus, the big like group of human scientists and geneticists and futurists who are trying to stop mutant kind. And the X-Men are like, no, yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> but ultimately, their goal here, the, the this first strike team, is to save mutants. And that's what I like. The core here is I love it so much. We find that they have saved a group of children, essentially young mutants who have been captured by Orcus. So you can't side with the, this human team at all because they're just capturing children. So you get this moment where the, the team finds them and then you take them home and we get on Krakoa and it's a sweet moment. There's this great bit where Magneto's there and the children are running like, Magneto, Magneto, Magneto. And it reminds me of Fellowship of the Ring where the beginning of the movie, Gandalf comes in and like all the kids are like, Gandalf, Gandalf. And they're all yelling and running and, and then it like gets quiet and they're like, oh. And then he snaps, does magic. Then there's the fireworks and everything. Everybody's like, yay. It's so good. I love it so much. There's such joy in so much of this. So we focus on that. We focus a lot on humanity, but then we really get into the Cyclops of it all and the summers of it all. There's a really neat bit at the end where we just have Scott and his extended family having dinner. And it is like 
so cool because it's his dad is the leader of the Star Jammers, Corsair. So you've got all the Star Jammers, including greatest character ever, Chad, who is his big green dude. Uh, then you have the Summers brothers, Scott, Alex, and Gabriel. You've got the children, Rachel and Nate. So you've got like young kid Cable there. Uh, you've got Gene. You've got Scott. You've got Wolverine. I love the intrigue here. And mm. then there's even a layout of their, their home. Their home? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you where it is. You got to read the book. Yeah. But their layout, whose bedrooms are next to whose? Ooh! Yeah. This is a good-ass comic book, y'all. Yeah, it it is. is so great. The Dawn of X is broken. Get ready. Next issue is in a month. But next week, we got Marauders. Yeah. No slowing down, brother. It's all happening. Uh, okay. That's what we have for individual issues on sale uh, this week and uh, collections. We have Doctor Strange Masterworks Volume Nine, Hit Monkey by Daniel Way, Bullets and Bananas, How to Paint Characters the Marvel Studios Way, Ironheart, Riri Williams, Marvel Visionaries Steve Ditko, Marvel Spider Man City of War, Ms. Marvel by Saladin Ahmed Volume One, Destined, Runaways by Rainbow Rowell Volume Four, But You Can't Hide, and Star Wars Tie Fighter. Yes, uh, of course, all of that is on the collection side. We also have. New comics hitting Marvel Unlimited this week. There's plenty in here. I wanted to point out War of the Realms, Journey into Mystery, number one, which is really great. The McElroys are uh, writing that one. It's a great tie-in to big War of the Realms. Uh, Symbiote Spider-Man, which is really cool. Peter David and Greg Land doing a, like a throwback style. But we've been doing these Symbiote Spider-Man stories, and I think they're really neat. They yeah. resonate with a lot of fans. They're great. It's cool to see that Peter... Peter in that black suit in the like eighties ish vibe. Love that. Uh, and then the old school stuff that are, that's added to Marvel Unlimited this week, mutant X issues 18 through 32 and the, uh, the annuals, which I think rounds out the entirety of mutant X on Marvel Unlimited. It is a really cool alternate universe series where the havoc of our universe, he gets thrust into the body of a havoc in a different universe. And it is him sort of living this life. I believe he's uh, like a leader of a villain team and it's twisted versions of characters we know. It is really gnarly, really fun. It was actually only supposed to be 12 issues, but people loved it so much. It ran for almost three years. Wow. Highly suggest you check that out. And more, because Marvel Unlimited is great. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's it. More issues to come next week. Yeah. All right, Tucker, I'm Ryan. I'm Tucker. And you're Tucker. (laughs) (laughs) I threw you off. This is Marvel. You're a universe. It's been a long day, brother. (laughs) 